Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning, Roto Experts. To the end zone. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Good morning. Week 7, almost over. Giants-Falcons tonight. Not quite over, but it will be soon. Hopefully in a good way for you. Welcome to the Roto Experts here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Scott Engel, the Managing Director of RotoExperts.com. I am the King. I am Fantasy, and uh, I'll be joined shortly by Dane Martinez here. And... uh, you know, we'll be uh, reviewing Week 7, looking ahead to uh, tonight's game between Atlanta and New York. Not two teams with good records, but uh, it should be some fantasy fun in that game. Uh, these two teams are 27th and uh, 31st in points points allowed this year. Uh, the Giants are allowing 27 points per game, and uh, the Falcons are allowing 31 points per game. So it should be a little bit of a bonanza to a finish in what was a very exciting and eventful week, especially for kickers. Uh, we, we certainly can't overlook kickers. I know Justin Tucker is uh, is certainly not to be overlooked after what happened yesterday, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was the Justin Tucker one, but then also about, you know, in that Dallas-Washington game, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something. That field goal would have been good from 47. It wasn't good. It hit the upright from 52, but it would have been good from 47, in my opinion, and that dramatically changes, you know, the NFC East right now. And that was a really kind of unusual call, which moved the mayor kick back five yards. They said the center was messing with the ball. It looked like kind of his normal kind of course of action, the way he usually gets 
Smith set up, but it definitely had an impact there in that game. And then you mentioned, obviously, Justin Tucker, and they put the jinx on him. I don't know if you were watching that game, but in the middle of it, they were like, hey, he's never missed an extra point. And then, of course, he misses that one to tie the game. And then they also did it on Sunday Night Football, Scotty, with uh, I think it was Harrison Buckner. They were like, he's been perfect all year. And, of course, then he misses a field goal. However, it didn't look like the Chiefs needed all those points. No, certainly. And if you had Butker on your team like I do of many of mine, you certainly got enough points. I think it was a, a total of at least nine, depending on what scoring system. Just The Chiefs are so exciting to watch, and fantasy football makes them even more fun to watch. This is, the like I said on Twitter last night, this is probably the most fun I've had watching a football team that's not the team that I root for since like the mid-90s Cowboys. Just from a purely objective football perspective, that team is so much fun to watch. I said it before, I'll say it again, Patrick Mahomes is like a fusion of Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger, all the good parts. So I really enjoy watching Ben Wilson and Kareem Hunt is <laughs> is uh is really running with like more physical abandon than ever. And uh, Hunt got off to a really slow start this season, but now he is really picking things up. He is he is really like pushing the pile and breaking tackles uh, more physical than ever before. Like he's running with like an extra gear. Yeah, absolutely. Kareem Hunt. Let's get into that game as the Kansas City Chiefs go to 6-1 and one on the season by taking out the Bengals. 45-10 to 10 was the <clears throat> final in this one. You mentioned Kareem Hunt, 15 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. I know the exact play you're thinking of, Scotty. He was really running downhill um, and really showing some force there. And then Patty Mahomes just keeps it going. Another 358 yards through the air, four touchdowns. He does have the one pick, but he also scrambles a little bit, gets 45 yards rushing to mitigate any of those interceptions. And then, like usual, spreading it around. Kelsey, 5 Five for 95. Watkins, four for 74. Tyreek Hill, seven catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Hunt gets two touchdowns in the backfield. They even were trying to get, you know, guys like Spencer Ware involved. These... Kansas City Chiefs are very exciting, Scotty. I want to almost challenge you, though, when you say they're the best offense and most exciting. You've seen it a long time. What about another team that is putting up numbers like this this year as well? What about the Rams who have moved to 7-0? and yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, always, they always revise their Super Bowl predictions about halfway right. through the season. When we see the real trends develop and we're not looking back at last year and every year is different. And I, I think a lot of people are saying, Chief, Chiefs Ram Super Bowl, Chiefs Ram Super Bowl. You know, like they are on a collision course. But let's not forget that the Chiefs did not beat the Patriots last week. This is absolutely true. However, Scotty, let's not forget that game was in New England, and right now this would be trending, so that game would have a different location if all things are true here. But let me ask you, Scotty. I mean, you were talking New about New England's still the best team until proven otherwise, no matter what field they're on. Okay, fair enough. But you were saying that you love watching this Chiefs offense. I guess my question was more: Do you think the Chiefs offense is more exciting to watch than the Rams offense in the same year? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I don't know what it is. And you, you, you don't, you don't have to explain a reaction to something. You know, it's not logical. It's just, it's what you enjoy. Is it, it, it's just, maybe it's because of the fantasy football investment and I have Mahomes and Hunt, you know, right. together in one league. And then I have Mahomes and Hill together in three leagues, you know, maybe that, that spurs it, you know, but I do have ownership of Robert Woods. I don't own Todd Gurley anywhere, so you know, maybe that's it as well. But I think there's more frustration 
a little bit inherent with the Rams because if you own Jared Goff and start him like I do in two leagues, Todd Gurley scores so often that it hurts Jared Goff's touchdown production and sometimes the touchdown possibilities of the wide receivers, whereas with the, with the Chiefs, everybody gets involved like you were saying. All right. Let's look at the other side here, Scotty. You know, I mean – for a while, everyone was taking, listen, we need to take the offense that's playing against the Kansas City Chiefs because you would think they're going to be in shootouts. We've talked about that, similar to how I like offenses against Tampa Bay because they're going to be in shootouts, that sort of thing as well. But Andy Dalton only throws for 148 yards, and then Driscoll comes in and mop-up time, 38 yards. Joe Mixon, only 50 yards. A.J. Green gets his. He gets seven catches for 117 yards. You got a little bit bailed out if you had C.J. Uzama because of the touchdown. But, you know, if you had a guy like Tyler Boyd, I was expecting a lot more. I was expecting more out of Mixon as well, only 51 yards from scrimmage. Um, what do you think that is? You think the Chiefs just force you out of game script? Because I would think, listen, if you're down by so much, there's some garbage time. I would have thought I would have sent more production garbage time-wise out of the Red Rifle. Yeah, and I'm not saying you necessarily, but a lot of times as fantasy players – we assume that if one team is going to get out to another big league, the other team is going to effectively play catch-up, and that is not always the case. Now, sometimes when you look at a team maybe like Washington or Dallas, uh, you know they're not built to play catch-up at all. And maybe, maybe San Francisco, too, as we saw yesterday. And, but but you know, this, this was just a case of the Chiefs not taking their foot off the gas offensively or defensively. It was their best defensive performance of the season. And also it points to the fact that, you know, this is why Andy Dalton is never ranked consistently as a top 12 quarterback. Because Andy Dalton will go into a bad matchup and play well. He'll go into a good matchup and lay down a stinker. Andy Dalton is still Andy Dalton. You can never depend on the matchup with just Andy Dalton. You know, I did have him ranked in my top 10, but, uh, you know, I've gotten burned before by Andy Dalton. You know, there were a lot of reasons to expect this to be a shootout. A lot of people were saying on social media they were surprised. I know Gabe Morency was certainly one of them. He was predicting a 35-31, to 31 in, you know, Cincinnati victory. But the Chiefs played really good defense, and you got to give them credit. If they're going to play defense like this, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and um, Andy Dalton, once again, reminding you why people do not have faith in Andy Dalton. They had up the graphic about the Bengals in prime time all the time as well, so they go ahead and lay another egg with the Don't entire Don't get me even started on Marvin Lewis. You know, what is his was record now? Like 0-8 on Sunday night games and something like like 3-11 and or I don't know exactly what it is in national television games. Never won a playoff game. You know, all these other coaches get fired, at the, you know, very quickly. I don't understand why Marvin Lewis and Jason Garrett are still employed as head coaches. I don't want to see anybody lose their job. Maybe Garrett will make a coordinator and Lewis will make a good broadcaster. They'll land on their feet. But just from a perspective of, you know, these coaches always losing their jobs, I don't understand how these two are still employed. Well, Marvin Lewis is 4-3 and three and still in first place in the AFC North at this moment in time. Let's keep it moving, though, Scotty. We got other games, but what I want to ask you about are some of these injuries that took I place. The Steelers there are in first place now, aren't they? 
Uh, no, they have three, the three, two, and one. It's hard to think about how you uh, do the half game, but it depends on if you look at percentage points or if you look at the loss column. Um, you know, it depends on how you uh, prioritize that. But as we move ahead, um, there are a lot of uh, injuries here from week seven as well. I want to hear your take on which of these, uh, you know, kind of have the biggest impact, baby, on fantasy football moving forward. Blah Powell left the Jets game with a neck injury. Miami wide receivers banged up Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills leave with an injury. The Albert Wilson one, they say, looked pretty bad. Kiki QT left with a hamstring injury. They already are saying he is already likely out for week eight. Remember, listen, this is, uh, I believe it's Miami and Houston on Thursday night football. So when I tell you Albert Wilson banged up, Kenny Stills banged up, Kiki QT banged up already for the Texans. Those are some playmakers that are already potentially out for Thursday night. And then honestly... Scott, I got to ask you about this. Uh, O'Brien admits that his quarterback, Deshaun Watson, is playing hurt. Did you hear this, that they had to take Deshaun Watson down to uh, – he went down to Jacksonville in a bus instead of, of in a plane because they were worried about his travel via the air. So they bussed him down to Jacksonville because they are worried about his lung and that idea of the punctured lung. But he's going to keep playing through it and turn him around for Thursday night football as well. I thought that was really crazy. We've been talking about Deshaun Watson for a while, and they didn't even risk flying with him. They made him ride the bus all the way to Jacksonville. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yet he still goes out there and plays and uh... – the public reports indicate that, that it's a bruised lung, but, you know, that still is very, very concerning. But, you know, I don't know enough medically to know why he's still playing. I guess, you know, a a layman's reaction, like, bruised lung, you know, like, why, are you, why are you still playing? But, uh, look, uh, right now, Deshaun Watson's not a guy who can start in fantasy football, but give the Texans credit, you know, they're doing everything else they need to win ball games. I thought it was over for them when they started 0-3, but they've won 4-0 and since then, and now they're atop the division. And uh, as far as Thursday night games games go, uh, the Dolphins really don't have any playmakers on offense. It's that you can rely on. You want to start. I'm not concerned about that. But with Kiki QT, that's something that can linger. Yep. So we got to keep our eye on that. And then a couple of running backs, Scotty Shady McCoy. Killing fantasy owners, like on his pretty much like a second carry of the game, he gets banged up, goes into the cold, dark, quiet room, being treated for a head injury. He did not return. And then, unfortunately, Scott, you know I got to end with this. My guy, the stereotype, who I have been so high on, who is looking great, suffered what looked like was a pretty bad uh, knee injury, got twisted around, had to get help from the sidelines, got carted to the locker room. We haven't heard word yet out of uh, New England. But remember, the Patriots are usually very uh, tight-lipped with their injury situations as well, so we may not hear much, but it didn't look good for my guy, the stereotype, Sony Michelle. Yeah, it doesn't look good, but, then but again, you never know. You know we've already, we already learned this lesson with the cart twice. Remember, the cart could be 0-2, uh, yeah. right? <laughs> the, cart, the cart could be 0-3 here. It, it looks bad on the surface, but we've seen things look bad on the surface and then not turn out as badly as we expected. We don't know if he's going to miss two weeks. He's going to be yeah. a season ender, et cetera. You know, that's the automatic, you know, doom and gloom fantasy reaction. Up, oh, he's, he's getting helped off the field. He's done for the season. What am I going to do? Uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe he'll miss two weeks. Maybe he'll be out for the season. 
We don't know. We got to wait for the MRI today, and that's all we can do. And most waivers don't run until Tuesday anyway, so there's really nothing you can do but sit and focus on something else here. But it, w- it was disappointing because he got off to a great start again yesterday, an 18-yard run on the first play from scrimmage. Uh, so it was disappointing to see. He'd been listed as questionable the last few weeks, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're going to dive into these games on the other side of the break. But uh, really early leanings, are you going to be interested in a guy like Kenyon Barner if Michelle does miss time? And on the flip side with Shady McCoy, are you going to be interested in Ivory? Like, if you could grab both of those guys, if those backs do miss time, would you rather have a guy like uh, Ivory or a guy like Kenyon Barner? I don't think Kenyon Barner's, you know, nothing more than like a journeyman scat back, you know, no interest in, in him whatsoever. That means more work for James White like we saw yesterday. But I, I think, and I was saying this on Fantasy Football Rewind with Jim Day, if this is a significant injury where he's going to miss an extensive period of time, the trading deadline is still, you know, uh, about a week and a half away here. I would not be surprised to see the major Patriots make a move to acquire a, new, a running back because they cannot overwork James White and they can't rely on Kenjin Barner for anything more than, than depth. Right. That's the thing. You know, James White, uh, you know, has the ability to do certain things, but is best yet best left as that kind of receiving back in the way that they had the roles. But then again, we are speculating. We'll find out when the stereotype gets an MRI a little bit later on today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane and Scott try to take you through here. We're going to give two hours now. We're going to start going into all the games. And, of course, we will also preview Monday Night Football as well. So, here we go, Scott. Here's the thing. Sunday started real early for many people. Top of the morning to you. And, Scotty, here's my question for you right off the bat. I am worried that a lot of people, especially if you didn't leave in the Eastern time zone or even earlier, I'm worried a lot of people woke up with Melvin Gordon getting zeros in their lineup, Scott. Um, You know, I woke up to the news that he was out, but I was up early in time to make uh, kind of the shifts anywhere I had shares of Melvin Gordon. But you get that early London game. It's 9.30 a.m. on the East Coast. But if you're in Arizona, if you're in Chicago, it could have been even earlier. You might have had a nice little Saturday night out, wake up with this game already going, and you find out you're catching a zero from Melvin Gordon. Well, you know, then it's your own fault because, you know, the the news was out there before Saturday, you know, before uh, Sunday that he was the risk. So if you're not paying attention, you know, it's no one's fault except for your own. Yes, it's a risk, but he wasn't ruled out until uh, until the morning, right? Yeah, but you but you knew on, on by at least Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly when the news broke that he was a risk to not play. 
So you know, if you're not if you're not paying attention, then it's your own fault because you knew it was a strong possibility, at least a fifty fifty, that he wasn't going to play. All right, so let's get into this game. Philip Rivers does throw for three hundred and six yards and two touchdowns. He makes a connection with Terrell Williams, makes a connection with Mike Williams, and then Austin Eckler putting in work in in place of Melvin Gordon goes twelve carries, forty two yards. He also gets a little bit in the passing game as well. So you're happy with the seventy or so yards, the five catches. You get twelve points in uh, PPR scoring out of Austin Eckler. I gotta ask you something. Um, did you see this game, Scotty? Were you watching? Keenan Allen was very frustrated at times. It seems like, you know, we've been talking about Keenan Allen, how he's no longer a wide receiver one in fantasy purposes. It looked like he was expressing from some frustration when Phillip Rivers was going elsewhere with the ball. Did you see that? What would you make of that? I didn't actually see that, but I did watch a oh, lot really? of that game. Uh, you know, I didn't I did see that particular part, but... You know, he's, he's expressing the frustration that fantasy players are, and it's just not being covered a lot. Keenan Allen right now is a wide receiver three. You know, there are, there are much lesser names that are outproducing him on a consistent basis. He has not scored since week one, and I, don't, I believe he's only had like one 90-yard game, you know, during that span. And people still give him the respect. And look, I'm not saying anything about any other fantasy analyst that's derogatory, but, uh, you know, because I certainly get a lot of things wrong myself. Uh, we all do. But, you know, you go on fantasy pros, and I'm always ranking them lower than the ECR. Like, they're still giving him respect because of his name. And uh, Keenan Allen, right now, you drafted him as a wide receiver one, and he's performing like a wide receiver three. I, I, you know, I want to go in and look like how much is he out outscoring Chris Godwin by who you drafted as like you know in the fourteenth round if you drafted him at all. But Keenan Allen went like in the second, third round. Keenan Allen, you still start him every week because there's like eleven to thirteen point floor there in a PPR. But there's no more upside whatsoever. He's not getting the end zone. Period. Keenan Allen is no longer wide receiver one. He's not even a wide receiver two in fantasy. So let me ask you this, Scotty. He did have five catches for 72 yards. So as you mentioned, 12.2 in PPR scoring. I hear you where he's not a wide receiver one. He may be more of a high-end wide receiver three potentially. Um, what about within the Chargers, Scott? Is he still the number one wide receiver for you on the Chargers? Or one of the Williamses taking that role over? No, the other guys are totally unreliable. Ty- Tyrell Williams has had two big 118-yard performances in a row, but he could have 18 yards next week. And Mike Williams, even though he scored, he only caught one ball. So I think it's painfully obvious that he's still the number one wide receiver there. All right, and let's look at this other side in Tennessee. Another interesting call at the end of the game. The guys were giving uh, Vrabel a little bit of slack for this, saying that the chart says you go for one and go to overtime. Bruce Arians was very vocal about it on the telecast. But the guy I want to ask you about in Tennessee, and to be honest, Scott, this is why you don't go like week to week. This is why you don't necessarily have the recency bias. I'm talking about Deion Lewis, who for the last couple of games has really not done much. But then he bounces back, has 91 yards on the ground another 64 in the air right so 150 some odd yards with the six catches 20 plus PPR points you got to take that and honestly Scott it looks like anytime that the Titans are down it looks like it's going to be Lewis 
on you know on the field it was Lewis even out having more carries than uh Derrick Henry out gaining him 91 to 33 on the ground it was however Derrick Henry who gets into the end zone so how are you playing these Titans running backs moving forward I still think Deion Lewis is viable even though people have been worried about should I drop Deion Lewis should I drop Deion Lewis I've been saying hold on Deion Lewis because he always has the potential to get some big plays he always has the potential for the uh pass catching role and that came out a little bit uh yesterday morning yeah, Derrick Henry to me is not even rosterable right now. He's a waste of time. <laughs> you, you did get the touchdown yesterday, but uh, you didn't get much else, of course. I think it was like 22 rushing yards. And as far as Deion Lewis, his best game since week one, but reliability is going to be a real, real uh, problem with Deion Lewis. You know, they're going to have to get this offense fixed during the bye week, and that's what Raymond was talking about. But it was good to see because you still have hope for him. Yep, and then like I've been saying, remember, I've been, as you know, Scotty, I've been very high on the Los Angeles Chargers going into the season. And, you know, you talk about how New England's still the best team. You talk about the Chiefs that are obviously very competitive. This NFC, excuse me, Scott, you got to admit, though, the AFC South, they're pretty much beating each other up. I don't know that any of those are big boys, right, that can stand the stand – the, uh, you know, kind of rigors of the season. And the AFC North, you mentioned, isn't Pittsburgh in first place? Well, if they are, they're at 3-2-1, and one, you know, and then you got Baltimore and Cincinnati. Don't look now, but the Chargers, Scotty, the Chargers are now 5-2. and two. They're going into a bye week, and it sounds like when they come back out of that bye week, they'll have both Melvin Gordon back healthy and Joey Boza healthy and back for this team. Standing at 5-2, and two, the Chargers are still uh, primed to, you know, make some noise as well yeah they're the team that a lot of people are really not talking about as a top contender but you know they're they're right there in that mix but I think you know New England Kansas City right now perceived to be on a different tier but you, you want to go next right after that in the AFC it's really hard to make an argument right now and uh Houston's got me curious again I thought thought they were done after three weeks and now they've run four in a row with their quarterback dealing with a really bad problem you know if uh you know if Watson can get back into form, you know, whatsoever. I, you know, I wonder what, you know, Houston's probably got to be fourth in that mix, I would think. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe someone from the AFC North would, you know, will start to distinguish themselves as yeah, well. Maybe you never fifth, know. Yeah. It maybe with, you know. It Maybe depends. We'll see. Or something like that. You're right. That's right. We'll see if Le'Veon yeah. Bell gets back, what that means for that team. But my point is this with the Chargers, okay? Um, you know, they're, they're going to be getting a little bit healthy. The bye comes at a good time for them. They'll get Melvin Gordon back. And Joey Bosa, listen, when you're talking about guys like New England, Scotty, and Kansas City, I know one of the ways to try to upset those teams will be to get pressure on them. And the Chargers have an asset that can certainly bring pressure coming back into the fold. So we'll I just want to say keep an eye out on them. Remember, their only two losses have been to the Chiefs and the Rams, the uh, modified Super Bowl pick of a lot of people almost halfway into the season. Let's go to another game, Scotty, here. I want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts who dump truck the Buffalo Bills. Scotty, you and I were both saying that we loved streaming the Indianapolis Colts defense. And if you listen to us, all oh, were you handsomely rewarded. The Colts defense only giving up a field goal. Remember, the Bills get a 
safety for the other points. Derek Anderson throwing three interceptions. They weren't able really to move the ball much at all. We know about the shady injuries, so that's that on Buffalo, right? On the Colts side, though, I think some interesting things happened, Scotty. I think some roles have been clarified. Marlon Mack, the miggity, 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 miggity Mack daddy makes you want to jump with 126 yards and a touchdown. Naheem Hines gets into his kind of, uh, you know, he's not really the pass-catching role necessarily. Only one uh, only one catch, but it's clearly that B-side back for Indianapolis. And then we had also the return of T.Y. Hilton. Only four catches, but two of them go for touchdowns. Now, when you also have Ebron, you have T.Y. back, you have a solidified kind of uh, running back rotation. Are the Colts a team that may start to score some points, Scotty? Yeah, they already do score points. You know, they just yeah. it's more balanced now. This was their first 200-yard game in us uh, in seven years, and just the fourth time in Andrew Luck's history that career history that he had a hundred-yard rusher. So this is something nice. You know, I don't think any of us expected this from Marlon Mack, who was injured last mm-hmm. year and averaged 3.8 yards per carry. You know, but he he looks terrific right now. You know, both as a runner and receiver. Right now, that's making Naheem Hines less relevant. You know, Marlon Mack looked like he came back and wanted to take over this backfield after missing four of the first five games. Now you look at a more diversified passing game, but, you know, from an NFL perspective, not from a fantasy perspective, the production's going to seem to slip here. But if they're running the ball more and you got T.Y. Hilton back, you know, Hilton didn't get it done with the yardage, but he still got it done with the touchdowns. So he's relevant. I don't think there's anything to worry about. Chester Rogers, while Ryan Grant is out, you know, has some value as a low-end wide receiver for, you know, four catches for 40 yards. But I think you start to worry about Ebron now, you know, with with them running the ball more. You know, he's going to be asked to block, you know, although he's more, uh, you know, receiver than anything else. But with Hilton back, you know, you're not – Ebron was putting up those big numbers by necessity. With T.Y. Hilton back and them running the ball, it's not by necessity anymore. Absolutely. We were talking about Eric Ebron kind of as like the last man standing, similar how to like Evan Ingram was the last man standing for the Giants towards the end of last uh, football season. But now, as you mentioned, <clears throat> it's a game of supply and demand, right? And it's a game of options, you know, and they're turning into having some more options. T.Y. Hilton back. And as you made a point here, Marlon Mack looking like a legit running back. Scott, is Marlon Mack going to be inside your top? Oh, I don't know. Is he an RB2 potentially moving forward? I think two games, you know, I'm not going to overreact, but, you know, he's going to be in that flex convert, high-end flex conversation. I think he's at least earned that. All right, moving forward, do you want Marlon Mack or do you want Isaiah Crowell? I'd probably want Marlon Mack. Isaiah Crowell laid another dud. It's, you know, to, in daily, you give, give me Isaiah Crowell because you never know what the upside is going to be. But sure. uh, then it could be four carries or zero yards, so I I can't rely on him in season lump. I'm going to say Marlon Mack. All right, fair enough. Hey, Scotty, I may have lost one of my rookie running backs that I've been hyping up all season long and my guy, the stereotype, but it may be time to start relying on the other rookie running back that I have been hyping up all season long. Carry on, carry on, Johnson. Listen, Scott, for years, 
the Lions have never had a 100-yard rusher, right? It was something like five years. And now Kerryon Johnson has done it twice in five games for the Detroit Lions. 19 carries, 158 yards on the ground. He helps you out with another 21 yards in the passing game. 179 yards, two catches. So you like the almost 20 PPR points. That's without even getting into the end zone. LeGarrette Blunt does get into the end zone. 10 carries. I feel like, Scotty, remember, the Lions had their bye. I feel like they realized something. They were like, listen, when we win games, you know, when we beat the Patriots, Kerryon Johnson ran for 100 yards. When we won games, Kerryon Johnson runs well for us. We got to get Kerryon Johnson involved. 19 carry carries for Kerryon, my wayward son. You think after the bye, this is uh, an indication of them uh, maybe running the ball a little bit more? Well, I said it was saying it in, in July. You know, Bob GM Bob Quinn said he wanted to make this team more physical. You know, that's why they drafted Johnson. And, it's, you know, LeGarrette Blunt's still a thing. You know, he had, he had a touchdown yesterday, and Skull stole some other goal line carries. So, uh, Theo Riddick was out, so he saw more reps. Uh, 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 you, know, you, know, you know, this is what you want to see, but, but you know, I don't think you're ever going to see tw- consistently 20 carries a game. You know, maybe more like 15 here, but you know, the guy makes the most of every carry, so there's nothing to complain about, really. All right, fair enough. So where are you putting carry on Johnson moving forward? Is he a week-to-week flex play despite uh, LeGarrette Blunt eating into him? Because here's the thing, Scotty. He has the potential. I know you saw the 71-yard run that he broke. I've been saying early in the season that he looked like the most dynamic uh, game-breaker kind of back that they have. You know, LeGarrette Blunt definitely plays a role for this offense, um, you know, kind of as that hammer. You see him as the goal line guy as well. But let me tell you something. Theo Riddick, nowhere to to be found. Uh, Amir Abdullah, he ain't getting it done. So I think Kerryon Johnson definitely has potential for, for this team moving forward. Well, he certainly has, but I think, you know, we're past that point of, you know, potential. You know, the production is certainly there. Whenever he carries the ball, he does something with it. You know, if you're clamoring for more carries, I don't think you necessarily have to because I I haven't looked at his yards per carry, but, you know, this morning, but it was 5.7 going into this game. Some guys just make the most of every touch and be happy with it. All right, yeah, I mean, listen, and his yards per carry certainly increased, you know, because he had 19 carries for 158 yards yesterday, right? So at that level, we're talking about like seven yards a carry, and that game helped by the 71-yard run for sure. On the other side of things, listen, you got Kenyon Drake, who had a big long run. He had a 54-yard run, gets in the end zone, watch 72 yards there, and also another 15 Um you know, in the passing game. But it looked like uh, Frank Gore may have gotten banged up a little bit towards the very end of this game. Only 29 yards on the ground from him. Only one catch for four yards. So in this game, it was Drake more than Gore. It seems like they're going back and forth as well, huh? Yeah, well, Drake has no floor, though. He's turning around a little bit recently, as Chris Mitchell and Roto Experts uh, was was uh, pointing out and trending and noteworthy this past weekend. But uh, the thing is, you, you just can't trust Drake. You never feel comfortable putting in the lineup, and Frank Gore has no upside. You know, nothing's changed for me with Miami. It's, it's uh, you know, I don't want any fantasy parts of this offense. And as a team, you know, they they started 3-0, and and now they're 4-3. and They're showing us who they really are, I think. You know, they're a 500-ball club. 
Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. You see the Lions scoring 32 points, and yet Matty Stafford only 217 yards through the air. An odd box score for the Jim Bob Cooter-led Detroit Lions. So listen, Galladay only 37 yards, Tate only 36, Marvin Jones only 29. But the Lions are finding different ways to win, and they are now 500 in the very competitive NFC North in a division where, you know, the uh, the Bears got an L as well. We'll talk about that Bears loss and some other early games when we come back on the other side of the break. It's Roto Experts in the morning. We got the spitting statistician, and you got the king, Scott Angle. Come on back. We'll talk more games as we do the autopsy on Week 7, and we preview Monday Night Football a little bit later on in the show. It's Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Come on back after the break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King, Scott Angle. We're going through all the stuff that took place on Sunday of Week 7, giving you kind of what you should, what nuggets you need to really focus in as we spin it forward. And then a little bit later on in the show, we'll preview Monday Night Football as the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Giants finish up Week number 7. But, Scotty, I want to let people know, listen, October, Scotty, is one of the biggest months of the sports calendar. The NFL is in full swing. The World Series will be getting going uh, tomorrow. And congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox, which will begin the fall classic. You got college football really getting going. Ohio State with a huge upset loss to Purdue, okay, as these conference matchups start getting going in college football. You got the hockey starting, and the NBA has tipped off as well, which is why I got to let people know, Scotty, that the DailyRoto.com NBA lineup optimizer is now available. That means you can use the same tools and projections that DailyRoto.com NFL premium subscribers are using to win each week. You can use that now for NBA contest, okay? You've heard a lot about DailyRoto.com. All right, you've heard about our guy Colin Drew who hit for 70K one day and then another 150K the following day. You've heard that we produced our seventh Millie Maker winner on FanDuel and DraftKings earlier in the season. Honestly, if you're playing DFS and you're not using the DailyRoto tools, projections, and optimizers, you are doing it wrong and you're at a competitive disadvantage. So go to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tab, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and then start winning today. Scotty, the optimizers, they're really hooking people up in daily fantasy, right? Yes, certainly. You know, they're getting it done and the credibility is all there from the from the people that have won and you know the lineup optimizer. 
uh, you know, it's is certainly it, it, it's not only credible, but it, it it's it's fun to do. It's it's just fun to work with. It makes it makes daily fantasy more fun. And I don't only use it for daily; I use it for seasonal as well. You know, if I'm facing a tough decision, sure, I like to see, especially defensively, I like to see who daily roto likes. You know, what they project. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. You know, if you're remember, you say this all the time, Scotty, you know, if they're different tiers of players, that's one thing. But sometimes the matchup can really help you as a factor to help break some ties or if it's a coin flip for you. And the Daily Rotor Optimizer tools can certainly help you making those decisions. Scotty, one of the things I got right when I made my picks on Friday, I took the over in the Jets Minnesota game. I appreciate you convincing me that I should take the over instead of taking the Jets as a home dog plus four because the over came through and the Jets plus four did not. The Vikings get a 37 to 17 win as the Vikings now go to four, two and one on the season. The Jets are one game below 500 at three and four. I want to start on the Minnesota side of things on this one, Scotty. Um, Listen, Dalvin Cook. Once again, are we now in Leonard Fournette territory with Dalvin Cook? And I ask because now for the second week in a row, Lat Murray proves to be um, a viable asset. Lat Murray getting in the end zone not once but twice, um, 69 yards on the ground as well, another 14 through the air. So you got to like 80-plus scrimmage yards and two trips to the end zone. Lat Murray filling in admirably for Dalvin Cook, but I want to make the comparisons of like Lat Murray to TJ Yeldon, not in the type of back that they are, Scotty. I understand they are very different kinds of backs, but guys that were kind of like the handcuff, the B-side to a first-round running back, and now that first-round running back has missed a lot of games, and these guys, Lat Murray and TJ Yeldon, are uh, kind of using their opportunity, Scott. I'd like to see what Inside Injuries is going to say about Dalvin Cook this week. We don't yeah. know if Dalvin Cook's going to be back next week. Four weeks from now, whereas Inside Injuries three weeks ago told us it could be a lost season for Leonard Fournette ahead of anybody else, you know, and that that's why, you know, I think they're a go-to source. You know, it sounds like an advertisement, but it, it's just the truth. You know, they know that's right. they know what they're talking about. As for, you know, as for TJ Yeldon, they traded for Carlos Hyde, so mm-hmm. I was saying last night on Fantasy Football Rewind that, you know, maybe I was guilty and some others were of, as well of thinking that TJ Yeldon was going to be a top 10 running back the rest of the way, when we have to remember that he was drafted in 2016 in the second round, and then they drafted Fournette because they felt like they couldn't depend on this guy as a regular ball carrier. And he's gotten banged up and the production has slipped. So, uh, you know, TJ Yeldon's not a guy that they think they, they can count on. And that's why they traded for Carlos Hyde. Jim Day thinks that Carlos Hyde is eventually going to be that team's number one back with TJ Yeldon as a complimentary piece. Now, as for Latavius Murray, uh, you know, we've seen him uh, step in before and do well here and there. In the last two weeks, he's done a lot better than I expected. You know, I was on Latavius Murray at the beginning of his career, but I was uh, more skeptical coming into the season. But, you know, he's doing the job. I don't think that – I think that inconsistency might be a little bit more of an issue. But right now, uh, going forward, I'd rather have Latavius Murray than DJ Yeldon. 
All right, and I would almost rather have Adam Thielen than almost any wide receiver in the National Football League, Scotty. I mean, another nine catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. A beautiful play to start the game. Scotty, at the very beginning of the day, can I tell you something? Because uh, in my in some of my DFS lineups, I had a Kirk Cousins-Adam Thielen stack, and that was like the first touchdown, I think, of Sunday morning that got scored very early on. So there was a fleeting moment, Scott, where I was like in first place in a big time DFS tournament and was in position to win something like 10k it ultimately didn't happen I did hit a little bit of a min cash because uh, I had a pretty decent day but but that was that was fun for me for a second to see me like at the top of like 20,000 entries with a very early stack touchdown but listen Adam Thielen nine catches 110 yards and a touchdown this guy's one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL Scotty Right now, he's the top wide receiver in the NFL. It looks like, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's look, Julio Jones doesn't get in the end zone. Period. Right. Uh, Antonio Brown. You make a case from over history. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown has proven it more. So you could say, like overall, Antonio Brown is still the number one wide receiver. But Adam Thielen is playing like the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now, and he's a game away from breaking, from tying a Calvin Johnson's record of consecutive hundred yard games. Yeah. And here's the thing, honestly, Scott, I own I own a ton I don't own much of Adam Thielen, okay, this year. Um, but I do own a ton of Stefan Diggs. You know, it was that kind of thing how we always say, Scott, like it was the idea like with the Cooks and Woods and Cooper Cup. There are a couple of other scenarios in, in this in this situation where it was like when you think that guys are gonna be fairly similar, the value is in the guy rated a little bit lower. You know what I mean, conceptually. And so with that going into the season, I was preferring Diggs over Thielen everywhere. Thielen is love is having a great season but Diggs is still fine too especially if you're in PPR formats okay only 33 yards but he catches eight balls it seems like they're using Thielen down the field but they're using Diggs a lot also in intermediate routes the bubble screens the quick slants and even some rushing attempts without Dalvin Cook it's not like I I don't want to hear people saying that they're down on Stefan Diggs I know there was only 33 yards but you can't really complain if you have Diggs either right because he's still a very big piece of that offense two things number one you can complain because he's had three three quiet games in a row pretty much as compared to expectations he's had two consecutive 33 yard games but to flip that you know now's the time to buy then if if, uh if you there's an owner that that feels worse than that that you should while you can complain i think even though 11 points in a ppr is fine uh, but the numbers are disappointing overall. If you play in a standard, like you can complain even more because you're not getting those those eight points. But he's going to turn it around. I don't think I'm necessarily worried about him, and he, you should trade for him right now if you got a worried Stefan Diggs owner, especially when they're coming up on playing New Orleans. Adam Thielen does it all over the field. A lot of his catches right. are like, especially when Kirk Cousins is under pressure, they're shorter throws, and he does everything after the catch. You know, you get the bombs here and that, but he does it all over the field. And when you're that good, you're doing it all over the field. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what I would say, Scotty. Um, Stefan Diggs is not your fantasy team's problem. You know what I mean? Like, if Stefan Diggs is the player on your team that you are, like, worried about, then you have a really good team. 
<laughs> right, Scott? I mean, like, fine. Maybe he underperformed with the 33 yards, right? But, like, you're still riding him out there. And you probably have other guys on your team that you're more concerned about than Stefan Diggs. If Stefan Diggs is the main concern of your team, on, on balance, you have a very good team probably. Right, Scotty? Uh, well, I would say, you know, there are cases like that. But there's also cases where, you know, your entire team is underperforming and then you just lump, lump Stefan Diggs in with everybody else. Okay, I hear that. But listen, I, I am not – I have Stefan Diggs in a lot of places. I am not concerned about him because he can bounce back in, in any given week. Be, yeah. And any given week, we can see a 8 for 117 and a touchdown out of Stefan Diggs the same way. And, and I'm encouraged also, similar to guys like, say, like Manny Sanders, you know, where they're using him a lot on end arounds and finding ways to get him the ball. I'd put Diggs in that category like a Manny Sanders kind of type where the, he's going to get some looks and opportunity. The Vikings are not scheming Stefan Diggs out of their offense anytime soon. But, Scotty, let's go on the other side of things. The Jets now are 3 and four. Listen, this is what we thought the Jets were going to be, okay? You always told me, Scott, that you thought I was a realistic Jets fan, right? And not one of these guys that are going so crazy about expectations for the Jets. And I have been tempering expectations for these Jets all season long. Yeah, they had a nice little streak, two games at home against Denver and Indy, right, where they put up 30-some-odd points or 40 points last week. But listen, overall, this is a team that is not the most talented team and they have a rookie quarterback who coming into this season coming into the draft the knock on him Scotty was that he turned the ball over and boy did he turn the ball over yesterday okay three interceptions although some of them were deflections and not necessarily his fault but honestly Scott I'm, you know I'm a Jets fan. You know I'm a realistic Jets fan. I'm still – I'm not concerned. These are the exact kind of ups and downs and lumps or bad games that he's going to have against a team that's supposedly known as having one of the better defenses in the NFL. I'm, yes, the turnovers are something that's a little concerning, but I think that's kind of normal for a rookie quarterback like this. Should I be worried about Sam I am? I don't know if it's necessarily normal. But but I see where you're going with this. You know, I, I've seen other rookie quarterbacks play a lot better than this. You know, without, without the mistakes. Okay. Look, I was a, I was a Darnold fan in the preseason. You know, and sure. I still think he's he's going to be good. But look, the, one of his interceptions was just downright awful, rookie rookie where he threw into double coverage, and he yes. deserved to get picked. You know, yes. and those are the kind of one mistakes. was a deflection where the wide right receiver definitely should have caught the ball. Yeah, but still, when you're making a throw like that, you know, one thing one thing has nothing to do with the other here. When you make when you throw into double coverage like that, the way he does without going you through your progressions, it it shows a lot about Sam Darnold and what he has to learn from. Now you're right, he's going to learn from this. It's part of the progression. But Sam Darnold's very, very young, too, as compared yeah. to other quarterbacks, too. There's going to be a lot of bumps with Sam Darnold and a lot of inconsistency right now. And in a two-quarterback league, he's not a guy that you can play every week in, in fantasy. You know, this is this is not just about being, you know, it's not broad. I'm not saying you're making a sweeping generalization. But we've seen rookie quarterbacks definitely play better than this. He is up and down and up and down. And when he looks bad, sometimes he really looks bad. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Scotty. What I'm saying, though, is, listen, and you know me as a Jets fan, <clears throat> we went to a preseason game together, Scott. We went to a Jets preseason game, right? And if at that preseason game, 
You know, if you told me or I told you, right, that the only thing I'm really worried about for the Jets season this year is that Sam Darnold develops a little bit, right? And if you tell me that the Jets win six games or five games or seven games and that I see some development in him, and that probably means there are going to be some good days and there are going to be some bad days. But at the end of this season, if I believe in my heart that Sam Darnold is a quarterback and one who does have the potential to get better and be good after he goes through his rookie year, his bumps and bruises, then I sign up for that. And there is still nothing that I've seen that dramatically changes that calculation for me. Yes, there are going to be turnovers. Yes, there are going to be bad games. But the Jets are still looking to me like a team that is just below a 500 team, a team that is building in the right way with this quarterback and will be primed to hopefully have him enter, you know, like year three when everyone's ready for him just as Tom Brady is uh, calling an end to his career. So I still like the timing for the Jets better than the Bills or the Dolphins in that division as well. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that, you know, you're not setting the bar too high, which I guess, guess is respectable. And, you know, you're being hopeful if, you know, you're talking about being a fan here. But right now, you know, with, you look at Roy rookie quarterbacks, Bay, Baker Mayfield just – He's playing better. You know, he's not making those kind of mistakes. And with rookie quarterbacks, everybody's different. You know, talk from my own experience. You know, like Russell Wilson's rookie year, I thought Matt Flynn was going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm like, what? They're taking a third-round rookie and they're starting him? And then I saw him play. I'm like, well, okay, then that's fine. You know, and, and uh, sure. you know, he, was, he wasn't making mistakes. You know, he actually elevated the, the, the play of the entire team. So every rookie quarterback is different. Absolutely. Everyone is different. We shall see what winds up going down, the continued progression of Sam Darnold and the Jets. Let me ask you about the running game, though, real quick on on New York. Listen, Isaiah Crowell goes 11 carries for 29 yards. Boom, boom, Bilal, pow, pow, goes five carries for 20 yards, and then he leaves with a neck injury. Um, We'll find out the extent of the injury on Powell. But also, listen, Isaiah Crowell had 200-plus yards only a couple of weeks ago. Now he's getting only like two and a half yards a carry. Do you think this was just a game script kind of thing? They were down. I mean, they weren't down that big. You know, Scotty, it was 10-7 at halftime. And then the Vikings kind of piled on towards the second half after the mistakes from Darnold, uh, you know, continued to mount. But what are you seeing in this Jets running game? Inconsistency, unreliability. You know, the, uh, the Vikings have a very, very good defensive line. You know, they penetrate, et cetera. Bilal Powell is just a bench guy in fantasy because I feel like you're never going to get more than seven to nine points in a PPR. There's just no upside there, and it's a very uh, mediocre floor. And you can't trust Isaiah Crowell at all. You know, you look at the Jets right now, and, uh, you know, if I'm excited about anybody or intrigued just a little bit, it might be Chris Herndon. You know, Jermaine Kirst laid an egg yesterday. They have injuries at wide receiver. You know, I don't – the Jets now are like – I'm looking at like a part of it's like – I can't conf- – it's not like Miami where I don't want to roster anybody, but I can't confidently start any of these guys. And Chris Herndon is like a watch list guy for me right now. 
All right, Chris Herndon, the uh, rookie out of Miami, the tight end, four catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. He's the only one who got into the end zone via the passing game for the Jets. Sam Darnold helped his day. You know, he did have the three picks, but he did have a rushing touchdown. <clears throat> and those six points for the rushing touchdown cancel out usually the minus twos for an interception. So if you had three of those, but he had a rushing touchdown, it kind of canceled itself out on that one. Scotty, let me ask you this. You know, I'm going to spend more time on it when we come back on the other side of the break. But this New England-Chicago game, right, 38-31, what I want to ask you about is when when Kevin White caught the Hail Mary, did you think he was going to get in? Do you think he should have had the presence of mind to, like, reach over the goal line like we see Drew Brees or Tom Brady do uh, at the kind of goal line? Or do you kind of lose your sense of time and space and feel, you know, in that kind of play? He catches the Hail Mary on, like, the two or the one-yard line and then gets held up. Um, great awareness from the Patriots defenders or lack of awareness for Kevin White or, or none of the above, just like that's just the way it went down. It's it's more like, you know, that kind of play is just so bang-bang, you know, that uh, I don't think you can discredit uh, Kevin White for anything. The Patriots, you know, that that's how they're trained. You know, if you can't knock it down, then you just got to gang tackle the guy. So uh, he didn't catch – it is what it is. He didn't catch quite close enough to the goal line. He tried to push his way in, but there were way too many defenders there. Yeah. Um, and let me ask you about this one. As now the Bears fall to 3-3, three and three. they are 500 on the season. The Patriots go to 5-2. and two. I know you've been talking about them as, you know, still the best team in the AFC, even ahead of the Chiefs, who have a better record, and the Chargers, who have the same record. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, though, leading that team in rushing, 81 yards, and he ran like 80 yards on one scramble. That wound up being the touchdown. Are you starting to buy Mitch Trubisky? Let me know a little bit here before we go to break. Three good games in a row. I'm starting to buy him as as a good fantasy quarterback who can threaten to be in that top 12 right now. All right, so we're going to switch it on over to Fantasy Sports today. Roto Experts in the Morning is in the books. If you get us on subscribe, on download, or podcast, don't forget to get FST as well. We'll continue to break down week seven when we come back at the top of the hour. It's FST. Roto Experts in the Morning in the books. Dane and Scott sticking with you for another hour to break down week seven. Come on right back. Fantasy Sports Radio Network.